Welcome back. Morehouse College will shine its social justice spotlight on filmmakers who use their artistry to promote activism at their second annual Human Rights Film Festival. Now, because of COVID, the festival will be virtual this year, beginning Thursday, September 24th. Joining us is Jen Sapp, who is one of the coordinators, and in fact, the coordinator for this film festival. Thanks for making time to talk to us today, Jen. This is not only a film festival, but also a contest, correct? That is correct. We have um, four awards that are up for grabs this year for our filmmakers. We have two that feature our feature-length films and two that are for our documentary films. So, and they are, they're going to be great. So we've got tons of films that are here for the festival. And we've got 16 films that are in competition for these four awards. Tell me a little bit more about this festival because you guys are screening films from not only the U.S. but also from around the world. Yes, our films are from five different continents. We luckily have 13 different countries representing themselves this year from China to Gambia. They're competing for the title of all four awards. The film submissions explore the impact of race, gender identity, religion, poverty in the areas of healthcare, housing, hunger education, environmental justice, and law enforcement. So we cover a myriad of topics when it comes to human rights. Now, this is the second year of the festival, critical issues that are examined by these works of art. Would this be the case if we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic and social justice revolution? Yes, ma'am. I think that everything that's going on in our country is we've got issues that even come down to systemic racism. So we've got things that go all the way back from the 1619 to now, and I think that everything is relevant. I think that as, you know, members in our community, we need to be focusing on those who are struggling with human rights and social justice issues. If you have the space to speak loud, speak loud that you can impact many people, and our filmmakers are doing that through their stories and through their films. Now, how are you able to pull all of this together? I'm sure that events like this don't happen without sponsor support, even when you execute them virtually. Absolutely. We've got some wonderful sponsors this year. I want to say a huge thank you to Atlanta Film Festival, Netflix, Oz Magazine, and Eventive is our virtual platform, which is helping us make this festival more access accessible to people with this online format. Why do you think that artistry and activism go hand in hand? That's a great question. I think that the the visual part of artistry helps people to understand what they should be active towards. So um, we, Morehouse College champions artists, activists who use their creative gifts as filmmakers to force us to consider new ideas and creative solutions for the way we coexist. And Morehouse College has a very special relationship with the film community. You guys have, a, have several notable alums. Can you talk about them? Sure. Um, of course, we have one of the most notable alumni. Alumnus is Spike Lee from his graduation in 1976. He um has produced so many films that are recognizable. Everybody obviously thinks of Do the Right Thing, which he screened last year during the 2019 Film Festival. And then his most recent film that's on Netflix is The Five Bloods. And I just think that he's a wonderful representation of the film community at Morehouse. Absolutely. And and, and having seen The Five Bloods, you know, one of Chadwick Boseman's last roles. Yes, ma'am. 
Let's talk in detail, give you some space to talk to our audience about some of the films that you're going to screen over the course of the festival, which begins on the 24th and runs through the 26th. Absolutely. So I have two films that I feel very passionately about. One is from NYU director Jaden Thompson. Jaden is a story about an undocumented teenage Latina aspiring filmmaker who develops an attraction to her female Muslim schoolmate and the fallout that occurs when their families discover their relationship. Um, it was a wonderful film to watch, and I hope that our viewers can tune into that film that will be screened during the film festival this year. And another film that we have is from um, Selman's own Amara Seaford and Morehouse's own Amani Rashad. A Night on Brown Street tells the story of a homeless college student sleeping inside of his car and struggling to hide his living situation from his peers. After being denied from loans, the student is saved by an anonymous alumnus of his college. And it's clear that it's very important to develop the talent of these young student filmmakers. You anticipated my next question about how they are able to participate in the festival. Absolutely. So we have a great opportunity this year to provide a discount code to our students. So if you are a student of the Clark Atlanta University Center, you can you have an opportunity to view this film, these films and other films like this for free, just check your email. But for those who aren't a student, there are lots of opportunities for you to purchase a ticket. Our festival tickets range from $5 for a single ticket, or if you want access for the whole weekend and everything that it covers, it's $100 for an all-access pass. Now, last year, and I think you might have mentioned this already, but in case you didn't, last year's, last year's film of the year was uh, a piece of work called Child of Nature, uh, directed by Marcos Negraro. Uh, and then you guys last year gave Spike the, the Lifetime Achievement Award. What does it take the criteria to be considered for film of the year in this year's festival? So unfortunately, because of the situation and it being virtual this year, we've decided to pause on the film of the year, but we do have great awards that are going out. We have Best Short Feature, Best Short Documentary, Best Full-Length Feature, and Best Full-Length Documentary. So those are four words that are up for grabs this year. And what it takes is um, a well-thought-out script, um, production value, and something that speaks to our judges. We've had a great group of screeners and judges who have picked our four winners. And so those awards will be announced during our annual awards ceremony on seven on Saturday, September 26th at 7 p.m. Part of the mission of Morehouse College is to produce global leaders. How does the festival align with that mission? The Human Rights Film Festival aligns with Morehouse's mission to produce, produce global leaders. As the National Epicenter for Thought and Leadership on Civil Rights, Morehouse is committed to helping the nation address the inequalities caused by institutional racism which have created disparities in income, employment, health, housing, and educational opportunities for people of African descent. Is it your sense that because of the social justice unrest that we've seen in our city and around the globe in recent weeks, that the community is more open to beginning to change some of the challenges that are associated with the systemic racism? Absolutely. I think that our community is more than ever, they've got what they've they need and they can be a champion and they've got the the language around it. They've got the passion. And I think our community, if they just 
kind of, we all group together, we can tackle some of these major issues that are a result of systemic racism. What are you guys hoping that uh, attendees will take away from this year's film festival? I think our biggest hope is that everyone can find something in one of the films that speaks to them, that means something to them and gives them the power to speak on that. So one of the films last year is um, On Human Trafficking. It spoke really big to me and I joined a group that is local in Atlanta and it's called Shine a Light on Slavery and their big thing is on human trafficking and breaking down the barriers that happen. Atlanta unfortunately is one of the largest hubs for human trafficking and so that's what I took out of it last year and I was able to put in a plan of action and I am now a, a, a member of that community that is being an activist for human trafficking. So why, what we hope for our viewers is that they can be a champion for a human rights issue as well. Share with our listeners how artistry and activism can move everyday people to do extraordinary things. Yes, absolutely. We want them to have a course of action. We want them to be empowered to make a change in their community. And we want them to, you know, join the front lines of those who are peacefully protesting and urge cities to reimagine community policing following, you know, what's going on in our community. We've had several deaths, very brutal deaths that we've seen, and we've seen things that just aren't right and that are going on in our communities. So hopefully people will be empowered to speak to their local government and make change. This is the second year of the film festival. Tell us what motivated the team at Morehouse to inaugurate this film festival last year. Absolutely. So I want to give a hats off to our executive director, Carol Walker. This is her, um, this is her idea. She had, she calls it the gift from God. She um, had this idea to bring this film festival to Morehouse and what a wonderful place for it to be hosted. And um, through connections, her and I have gotten connected and we have been on the team. It's just the two of us making this happen. And last year it was a great success. And Morehouse leadership said, let's bring it back and let's make this um, something that is a part of the institution here at Morehouse College. And you guys have had to do this in the midst of a global pandemic. Talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you've overcome to make sure that year two happened. So with the biggest challenges is not being in the same space, but God bless, um, there's technology and that technology is happening out there. And we want to thank one of our sponsors, Adventive. They've really been a great partner. And they've helped us to move this festival completely online. And this festival can be viewed from your couch. It's got, um, Eventive has two possibilities that you can watch it through Apple TV or Roku, or you can watch it on your laptop. So this will give us an opportunity to be in more houses than traditionally and for more people to experience this festival with this online format. Jennifer Sapp, Morehouse College, appreciate your making some time for us today. Congratulations on being able to pull together year two of the film festival, the Morehouse College Human Rights Film Festival, ongoing Thursday the 24th through Saturday the 26th. Festival tickets range from $5 for a single virtual screening to $100 for all access. How else can people connect? Sure, they can connect through events which is hosted on Roku on their computer or through Apple TV. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
And before we go, our corporate community spotlight. We're joined by Raina Short from Delta Community Credit Union and Schwax founder Kevin Rogers on how they've come together to grow Kevin's business. Absolutely. So when COVID hit, um, it was really important for Delta Community Credit Union um, to support organizations who were supporting individuals in our community. And we started this special fund specifically for nonprofits that were servicing people in um, four different buckets, COVID relief efforts, small business sustainability, financial wellness, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so Start Me kind of hit a lot of those buckets for us. And we were so happy um, to award this program $10,000 to help with uh, mostly minority um, business operators we realize that small businesses are the backbone of our country and our economy. And so to be able to help these entrepreneurs sustain their businesses during this time was really critically important. Which brings us to you, Kevin, and Schwack. So tell us how you have ended up as a beneficiary in all this. Well, Start Me is a small business accelerator that has truly uh, impacted our business. Um, they have three really important pillars, knowledge, network, access to capital. And uh, they delivered on all of those for us. Uh, being a small business, I was uh, on the service side of things as a master barber for 33 years here in Atlanta and began to transition into product manufacturing and distribution which was a foreign language to me. I was very familiar with service, but not as familiar with product manufacturing and distribution. So Start Me put me in a room with executives, with other entrepreneurs, uh, under a mentorship uh, uh, cohort of other small business um, uh, aspiring uh, individuals. And it, it just, gave me insight on what I was doing wrong, what I could do better, how to really organize my business plan, how to set smart goals. Um, and then it exposed me to a wealth of a network at Emory University's uh, Guzetta School of Business, which now put me in a room with students who will be future business analysts or finance managers at banks. And it just, it's just a, 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 an environment of acceleration when you think of small businesses. And I think a lot of times the knowledge doesn't always convert to wisdom, but they have the wisdom in the room. The, the network, just because you have someone's business card doesn't mean you have a relationship. We, for 16 weeks, we sat, we ate dinner every day, you know, every Tuesday, we, we, we broke bread with our mentors and we built relationships. And access to capital is where I think the rubber hit the road, like with um, Delta community, you know, and, and those types of, you know, infusions of capital. And I received a total of $14,000 over my um, time with Start Me and some of the other programs that Emory provides. And how was that influx of capital able to help you grow your small business? Pre-COVID-19, <laughs> you know, we do have to talk like that. Pre-COVID-19, it was really all about um, expanding from one product, I had a, 
a butter, a hydro butter that we call Schwacks. And it grew from the hydro butter to a shampoo, a conditioner, pomade, leave-in conditioner, styling aids. So the influx of capital helped me expand our products. It's still our number one seller, the Schwacks Hydrate and Style. But now we have an ancillary amount of, we have products that build at value to our brand. And that's, that's what the capital helped us do, add value. Now, post-COVID-19, when the world changed, um, it was, I was able, because now I had bottles, I had ingredients that I was able to source through my grants and through my loans that allowed me to convert my shampoo and my ingredients into hand soap antibacterial hand soap and hand sanitizer. So the relationship that I was able to build with my uh, suppliers opened the door for me to say, okay, while things are the way they are, let's pivot, let's adjust, and let's be of service. So we've given out over uh, 600 units of antibacterial hand soap and hand sanitizer just to help them, those who, the barbershops, the beauty salons, the that have supported us, it gave us an opportunity to help them while the shutdown and transitioning from the shutdown back to work. So it's exponential. It's hard to put into context all of the different ways that these relationships and like I said, knowledge, network, access to capital. That is Start Me. That's what Start Me did for me. And none of those things would have happened for you and your business, Kevin, if you'd not receive this opportunity right yeah oh it, it, it the application process was was i was so nervous about it because i had failed so many times you know i i i hate to use this term but i could have been considered a serial entrepreneur and just not having certain principles in place it's one thing to be a service oriented because you kind of create it from your hands but when you have products and you have a supply chain and you have finance in 30 day, 90 day net. It, it's, it's just a variety of things that I had no clue about. Start me, set me down with people who did this for 40 years and, and could say, hey, oh, whoa, whoa, it's not that complicated. Here we go. Let's write it down. Let's take these steps. And that was paramount for me. Randy, you got to love hearing Kevin's story and how he was able to turbocharge what he was doing thanks to the support of DCCU. Absolutely. It, it just fills me with so much joy to be able to support Start Me because we know it's supporting so many entrepreneurs and it's giving them equity financially. And that's what's important to us is making sure that Everybody has an opportunity. And um, again, small businesses are so critically important. And to be able to find an organization that's helping um, through that entire process, that's so important. It's so relevant, um, especially now. So 
I'm so excited for all of the entrepreneurs who have um, come through the program. And hopefully this grant amount will allow even more entrepreneurs and small business owners to come through this program. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condis Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective.